welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. podcast listeners. Welcome to episode 58 of the Advance Your Art podcast. I'm Yuri Cataldo and I'm here today with Vincent and we get deep in the weeds on all things fashion and technology. So if you're particularly interested in both of those topics, this is something you'll want to keep close attention to. We start by chatting about his background in manufacturing with his family company and then what he's doing now in the entrepreneurship world and fashion incubator space. So we talk a lot about 3D printing and what's happening with the technology and manufacturing that's changing in China and the rest of the world. Also speaking of manufacturing and technology and fashion, on Thursday, October 5th in Boston, there's going to be a design night at the Autodesk Build space on the seaport that covers that exact topic of fashion and technology. So if you're going to be in the Boston area next Thursday, Thursday, October 5th, reach out to me and I will give you a special promo code that you can use, especially for the event. If you have more questions about what's going on with the fashion industry, please feel free to reach out to Vincent. He was very gracious and left his email address. So listen for that at the end, as well as in the show notes. And without further ado, here's Vincent. Well, hello, Vincent. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me. Very excited. Of course. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. So you're someone who mm-hmm. who is very busy and has a lot of things on your plate. When someone asks you to describe yourself and what it is that you do, how do you describe that? Um, okay. If people ask me what I do, like a, like a stranger asks me, what do you do? I mm-hmm. should tell them, well, I do uh, fashion manufacturing. Uh, I have a, a, a coaching uh, service. It's called the Fashion Knowledge Network, and I have recent. Uh, rec- uh, also have a brand called Black Eye Rex in UK, and then I have recently just started a fashion accelerator in Shanghai. Uh, I'm based in Shanghai, by the way, and uh, I was born in Hong Kong. Spent a good ten years of my life in uh, North America, two years in Canada, and eight years in the U.S. And uh, now this is my twelfth year in Shanghai. Oh, wow. Yeah, and yeah, the reason I got into this business is because um, the fashion manufacturing part, which was uh, started by my parents uh, forty-seven years ago, mm-hmm. uh, forty-two years ago. Sorry, forty-two years ago. So. Uh, I was born into this business and uh, started working in this bis- business uh, in 2005. So, and I'm still working in it. So, yeah, that's how I got into this this field and uh, loving it. Very well, fun. Very well, awesome. Oh, great! Yeah. That's that's great. And uh, wow, you've been in there for a while. So yeah. Be so because your parents started this this fashion business. Mm-hmm. Have you always had an interest in working 
in fashion? Because I know that you went to undergrad for accounting. So was that yes. something where you're like, you're interested in, in the early days and then you're like, forget about it? Or were you always thinking, you know, I'll just be like the accountant for the fa- our fashion company? <laughs> well, actually, the re- I, accounting was, uh, that's where I graduated. I also have a minor in uh, marketing. Mm-hmm. What I really like is actually something creative and some business strategy things. That's what I love to do. Actually, I just recently discovered not too long ago that this is really my passion. Okay. Research on new things, look innovating and things like that, helping people. So um, at first, I when I was in college, I was uh, in computer science and then I changed to engineering because my parents were doing that. They weren't from the fashion industry. They were in engineering. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, Teenager, college students back in the dot-com days, early dot-com days with all these high-flying, high-tech companies. Like, wow, wish I, I, want, I want to be the next, like, Yahoo well, back in those days, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I started that. But then I was like, yeah, that's that's really hard. Not really for me. And then, uh, But I always have a hard things in business. And the, the fact that my I, I mean, a fashion textile manufacturing. This my parent uh, family that really also built me into that. So when I was in college days, I loved to read about these uh, fashion companies like limited brands. Back it was called limited mm-hmm. uh, uh, structure express. I would love to read their annual reports, study about the companies, like what they do on marketing and things like that. It interests interests me. Yeah. And accounting was, uh, it's something I like to, I like to look at those numbers, not necessarily like, like doing like, uh, 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 certain things, but like, uh, bookkeeping. I don't like bookkeeping actually. Okay. I'm more like auditing, maybe advising, consulting and that kind of thing. And then marketing is just, it's fun for me. I think it's, it's a fun stuff. So that's why I minored in marketing. And, uh, so after I graduated, just, uh, start working in the family business. Yeah. Okay. So so when you mm-hmm. start working in your family business, how did how has your career in your family business evolved from from day one when you first started up until what you're doing there now? Uh day one uh I had I really had not not much knowledge about textile, fashion, garments and things like that. So I started learning, going to trade shows, talking to people, going to factories, going to mills, learn from my colleagues, just try to learn as much as I can, be curious, ask, why is this? Why is that? What is this? What is that? You know, kind of like a three, three year old kid, just <laughs> learning as I go. Yeah. Sure. And then, uh, yeah. And then, um, the last few years, last two, three years, I think, uh, I'm more found myself love in love doing like, a reading on new things, researching what kind of new material out there, especially sustainable materials, new fashion innovation in terms of like fabric technologies uh, uh, and also uh, like uh, fashion tech, like the ones that like how wearable and fashion can come together and all these things really, really fascinates me. So I started off as a, like a student of the industry. Now I try to be uh kind of uh, also helping people like the 
was what I do in the Fashion Knowledge Network, mm-hmm. sharing uh, industry insights, uh, doing interviewing some really interesting entrepreneurs or fashion professionals, share their insights on, and things like that, and uh, useful tools, and then just helping people along the way uh, in the fashion industry. Yeah. Oh, sure. That's mm-hmm. so. Um, so I know that you have been working with the Entrepreneurs Organization for a few years. What made you decide to join that organization and then start? I, I think you you run the like the marketing and PR side for the for the uh, one of their chapters. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I, I always tell people there are two things really changed my life. One is uh, meeting my wife, and the other thing is joining EO. Because uh, the reason why I joined EO was like the time of my career where I felt that like, okay, I need to learn more new things. I felt like I'm not learning enough and I need to learn new things. It will broaden my view. And then just uh, in a random uh, afternoon coffee with one of my friends, she just said, yeah, there's an organization called EO. You should go check it out. I was like, uh then the next, I think, five minutes, I contacted them and then I joined one of their, like, event. Just so happened to, in, in uh, like, a couple of days after that uh, coffee uh, break. And then uh, and I started the, the journey the, in the EO uh, organization. It's actually an American organization. We have about 12, over 12,000 members worldwide. And it's really about peer-to-peer sharing and peer-to-peer learning. I... I I learned so much from there. I really learned a lot from because from one of the event I can I would be walking just like right past a walking with a like a an entrepreneur like myself and that that I don't know maybe from another part of the world maybe from Boston you know <laughs> or maybe from anywhere in the world and then I say hey how are you so what do you do and then just talking just about chatting and then they will share some of the story it's like wow that's really inspires me mm-hmm. so it's it's really awesome it's the the, the fact that peer-to-peer sharing and learning from each other it's it's really what i love to do uh, uh learn so much from it it's 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 like i, I felt it's uh, it's like learn so much more than you can ever learn from a mba program because this is all real life um, entrepreneurs that a lot of them are serial entrepreneurs. They, there are a lot of things they are doing right, and they have a lot of stories and insights and things to share. It's just awesome. And the uh, marketing part, it's like uh, I like social media, so I like to be on social media a lot. So that's why I picked up that position. I was like, hey, this is something fun I like to do. Yeah. <laughs> oh sure. So I've yeah. I've I've heard of EO. I've never actually been to any of the, their meetups or organizations. So how does how does that structure work? So do do you have like monthly or weekly meetups in your area with other um, entrepreneurs where you discuss topics, or is it like a, an online forum? How does how does that structure work? Uh, EO is like that. So you have uh, chapters, right? So I'm in part of the China East chapter in Shanghai with about 50 members. So it's all members. Uh, the local events are uh, run by and uh, uh, run by the members. So the members will every month or every 
month or so, they will have like these learn what we call learning events, events that where we probably go uh, listen to a speaker like a, a, maybe a Cameron Herald or Jack Daly, listen to this, their speech or, or go to one of their workshop. Or go go somewhere interesting, maybe like a, a hiking somewhere like you never thought of, doing something really wow and uh, special. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a something we call forum, where we break into like a group from group of six to ten people, depends on the size of each forum. And then that's where we really share a lot of intimate. Uh, experiences and uh, uh, that we encounter during our day-to-day lives it can be business it can be personal and then uh, we'll get uh, advice but we're actually not getting advice it's uh, if we, we let's say we, I have a problem I share it and then other people will uh, share what their experiences are so we cannot uh, criticize anyone during a forum uh, setup we can only share from our experiences and through other seeing and listening to other people's experience, then it will kind of help guide us to make a better decisions. Yeah, that's where the peer-peer uh, learning and sharing part. And then we also have a lot of these uh, global events, like uh, global universities, where we go to we're host by a chapter, where like two, three hundred, three or three, four hundred members would go to a place like Osaka or London. They would have like three days worth of uh, speakers, coaches come in and like maybe we're based on like a one subject, but kind of a broader subject. And then we learn about it and then we we'll go for some really special like experience trips, uh, like, you know, having dinner at the, like the on the Westminster Abbey or some some place like that, some place you would never thought you would be going, like or having lunch or dinner at. Yeah, that's that's the kind of things we do. Oh wow, that sounds like it's so quite much fun. fun. Yeah, so there. Yeah, it is. There are they organized trips then to these parts, or is it just if you happen to be in that neck of the woods or in that area, then you can contact other members and they organize trips like that or meetups like that. Oh, those those are all pre-organized. They probably start organizing for a, like a half or a year ahead of time because there's a lot of logistics and everything involved. And a lot of these are really members uh, doing all the contacts, uh, figuring out where to go, coming up with the agenda, coming up with the plan. So, and these members are all entrepreneurs themselves. They all have businesses. They all running something. So, it's really trying to find spare time and do it or is sometimes it's like doing two jobs at the same time <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah and, it's, it's know, fun oh, that's good I, I know what you mean i've i've uh I've, I've been a member of similar types of organization but and i know what you mean sometimes it's it's really it's like a lot more fun to get caught up in that excitement of meeting new people and trying these new experiences mm-hmm. and uh, and you're right sometimes it can be like a second second job what, yeah, what yeah. Made you decide to then launch the fashion knowledge coach and and do that the coaching side of what you're working on nowadays. Uh, the fashion knowledge network is uh, the coaching side because I feel like it's uh, it just started like uh, last year actually. I felt like there's a lot of people needed help, advice, uh, coaching, coaching kind of in their uh, 
uh, fashion business, especially in the manufacturing side. As we know, China has the biggest textile supply chain in the world. So I think I can help these uh, startups or brands that are in business one to two years. They're ready to scale up, but they don't know how. And and that's that's where I come in and try to help them on that. So they can I can just be coach to them. I can like uh, advise them on. Uh, uh, who, what kind of suppliers they could choose, how to talk to suppliers, how to source more efficiently, how to negotiate with suppliers, and, and so on. I mean, even though I run a manufacturing business, it's, mm-hmm. it's totally separate. I mean, I would use the staff from the manufacturing business, but they don't really have to manufacture for me. They don't have to. Okay. They, they, they can if they want, but they don't, really have, they don't have to at all. There's no obligations or anything. Yeah. Since you already have those those key contacts and everything else in place, um, do you find that it's just easier for them to work with you through the manufacturing part versus uh, going somewhere else with that? Uh, it depends because uh, sometimes I find uh, both have their own uh, values. Like uh, if I work, if there's someone already have their uh, uh, supplies all set, vendors all set, but sometimes they just they're not on the same page and I can coach them. Okay. This is how the manufacturers thinks you have to talk to them this way. And that way they'll be like, aha, okay. That's why I'm not getting through them. And then the manufacturers, I some, sometimes talk to them and say, okay, they mean this and this and this. Okay. The, the, the your client means this and this and this. It's not like what you're thinking. Cause okay. a lot of time it's a lot of, uh, miscommunications especially you know people we we in china we speak chinese and english is our second language so right. a lot of times there's a lot of mis uh, 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 translation and all this that and different culture and a lot of times we do things to uh, not face to face so there's a lot more room for error of misunderstanding each other so yeah right that's, right, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I, I recently worked for a a tech company that was uh, run by a, a couple of founders who were both Chinese, and uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean definitely like there there are cultural differences and there's a lot of differences where you know sometimes it felt like we weren't kind of communicating on the same mm-hmm. area just because of you know the, the language barrier or just cultural misunderstandings. So that makes uh, perfect sense with that. Yeah, definitely. And what I found out is a lot of time is that when you are engaged in a long chain of uh, email or, or some discussion, you really kind of drift off from your original goal. It's like when I see that from my staff or from whoever, I say, okay, let's step back and really ask your ask the client or whoever is on the other side, what's what's their goal? What's their pain point? What are they trying to achieve? And we are clear with what we're trying to achieve so that we're, we're we know what each other wants. Otherwise, it's just like a chain of email with no ending and no purpose and no goal. <laughs> sure. <right>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me more about your fashion accelerator. When did you start that and what types of, of fashion companies are you um, looking to bring into it? Oh, so this is a yeah a new venture. Yeah, it's uh, doing with a couple of my partners, a couple of my friends in uh, Shanghai. Uh, one of them, she was uh, she was a fashion teacher, and she was a French Canadian. She's been in the industry in, in China longer than me actually. And she, we we both have this like uh, felt like it's okay. We there's so much uh, 
one part is that so much for these manufacturer textile companies or these suppliers, the supply chain, the 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 parts that normal people don't see. But these companies that they need help to really uh, accelerate, really innovate through better communication, better like uh, marketing sort strategies, and better like product development. So mm-hmm. uh, my my partner is really good at that. So we're starting to uh, starting having these workshops, just teaching these people, like coaching these people, mm-hmm. how to do proper communication, proper marketing, proper development, how to even go to a trade show. When you go to a trade show, how to greet people properly, how to set up your booth, things like that. And while the other side, and one of my other partner, we're three partners, okay. Uh, he's the founder of this leading incubator uh, called Xnode in Shanghai. They're really one of the top one, or if not the best one in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And then through that, we we work together where we'll uh, start to do programs where we will um, help these uh, fashion companies, like brands and so on, to innovate. Uh, to scale up through innovative ways, through new technologies like 3D printing, uh, uh, new materials like sustainable materials or new advanced uh, materials, things like that. Uh, and also we'll touch on the fashion tech side where there's wearable technologies, uh, re- new retail experience technologies, and so on. Um, we recently actually did a uh, uh, um, panel discussion uh, we hosted one uh, at CES Asia recently, so it was this talking about the fashion innovation side and the technology side, where it's really, really starting to happen, and it's happening now. So that's what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. So, actually, so I would mm-hmm. like to talk about you know where you see fashion headed with technology, um, because so I I recently worked with uh, a a 3D scan to print sunglass company. Mm. So they would, mm. you know, from our app, 3D scan your head, algorithms would mm-hmm. work, analyze the key points mm-hmm. on your face, and then 3D print a pair of sunglasses that were custom made for your face. And, uh, you mm. know, like in, in Boston awesome. now, I spend a lot of time with innovation companies. So Reebok is 3D printing mm. shoes for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear, yeah. since you are in the middle of the fashion industry right now, where do you mm-hmm. see, like honestly, like so, like where are these type of technologies coming or going, and and which ones do you think will actually survive? Because obviously, you know, so like 3D printing, you know, maybe you're not 3D printing your entire outfit, you know, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Like maybe it's cool to have a 3D printed pair of shoes right now, um, mm-hmm. but where do you see technology actually taking over where fashion currently is? And uh, which trends do you think will will stick? Uh, wow, it's a big big topic here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just start from uh, 3D printing. 3D printing is uh, it's really happening. Uh, the, like you talk about the Reebok. I recently I'm uh, working with this one 3D company uh, printing company in, in in down in Guangdong area, and uh, we're trying to do uh, 3D printing using TPU, where it's a very flexible material. So really what that makes is that I what I saw is a, a, a sample is that they, they 3D printed a sandal, a very flexible sandal that you can actually wear day to day. So it's not something clunky or stiff that it will hurt your feet. It was something soft. So I'm experimenting how to uh, use that to actually print like fabrics and materials. So 
still trying that on that. So I should get some uh, samples back in a day or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's really coming, the 3D printing, because um, the cost is really dramatically going down. Um, the, the one of the, for fashion, really one of the biggest, if you want to print a 3D clothes, there's two still things that I, uh, still really, uh, holding it back. One is, uh, the right material. Mm-hmm. Okay. Really printing with the right material. Right now with TPU, people are now experimenting using natural rubber. So we need to print something really soft that really feels well, feels good on our skin. That's, that's one one uh, obstacle now. Another is the size of that 3D printer. A big size 3D printer is not cheap and has it's very demanding also. So right. that's two things because a piece of garment, a T-shirt is big actually. It's most 3D printer it won't print print that big. Yeah, so it's costly. These are really two things. So if we can solve the material side, I think it, which I think it will, it will be really heading there. And uh, recently, there's uh, a lot of companies starting to uh, use these uh, knitting machines. Actually, it's really, really automated knitting machines that w- really can knit a whole sweater in 45 minutes. Oh, wow. And yeah, and yeah, it's a company, uh, Ministry of Supply. I think they have a shop in Boston. They are, they are doing that now. So this kind of customization, it's really coming in China. The the customization of shirts, jeans, uh, suits. It's even like a, a, a coat. It's very 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 popular now. There's many many companies using doing this 3D scanning your body and then make a custom made suit, bespoke suit for you. Mm-hmm. It's really really popular. And um, this customization, I definitely think it will have a a big representation in the market down the road because mm-hmm. not everybody, a lot of people are not like this standard size, right? So we always want something a little more customized, personalized that fit us, fit us better. Oh, right. And yeah. And then there's the, um, the experience side of the, when you're doing shopping and, uh, online or offline. So, uh, like these, uh, like AR technology where where you can uh, have an avatar on the site so that you can put just put clothes on it and then you can kind of see what it what you look like in that clothes. So mm-hmm. these kind of technology will really help to increase the online experience, decrease the number of returns because uh, I don't like this style. It doesn't look as good as what it's on the, when I'm wearing it, mm. and also increase the uh, conversion rate, which is everybody wants to have really good and increased conversion rate on selling online, right? Mm. And also offline, it's uh, these technologies can help a little more personalized uh, experience. So this is one big part. But I think um, in the offline world, when we go to a shop where we greet a, a sales associate, salesperson, we still really want a personal touch to it. I personally don't like to go to a shop where I have to still tap a lot of things on a key on a on an iPad. That just kind of I I don't like that feeling. But I think uh, but we I think companies are moving more into really trying to increase the shopping experience online, offline, using technologies or using uh, uh, other ways to increase that so that it has that more customized personal feeling to it. And another big part, uh, a couple more requests. One big part is the sustainable part, where 
um, a lot of the materials now we're using, we were using and, and still using, are not very sustainable. Like uh, polyester, now we're using recycled polyester from this PET bottle. So these are some innovations, technologies that will help to uh, make our world better, to create less less waste because the textile techno- uh, industry is very very polluting. If you ever go to go to see a textile mill, you see them doing printing and dyeing, you'll be like, wow, they use so much water and 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 just use a lot of energy. So you'll be like, wow, that's that's all the things it needs to make my shirt, my t-shirt, my jeans. So it's like, wow, you think twice maybe before you buy new ones. It's it's really dirty. <laughs> so we now have technologies that uh, make things cleaner, uh, more sustainable, that uses less energy. We have uh, technology now that can recycle all the water at the textile mills. Uh, and uh, there are more and more mills in China are doing that. And even the government is pushing to more uh, sustainable manufacturing because uh, China, is, uh, the, the environment is not very clean, and uh, but the government is really pushing on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the private sector is uh, doing that too, because there's a lot of uh, demand from from the world, the Western world especially, on more sustainable, cleaner products. But overall, back to this, the whole sustainable thing, it still really comes down to that we should consume less, so we buy less clothes, and then we wear it more, and then if we need to like dump something we don't throw it away we try to pass it on to somebody donate it or we uh upcycle it uh some companies are really trying to uh upcycle all these uh old clothes old materials back into new fibers so that we can go back into the textile industry so completing that circular loop so that's just one huge area that is uh, a lot of company are Investing money and, and going to just like big brands like Chanel, Gap, it's it's very move, moving into that area. And finally, and that's another big area is the wearable part, where uh, like combining Fitbit kind of a, a, a technology and and wearable experience with with the uh, the clothing, day to day clothing we wear. That mm-hmm. um, it's 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 growing, but it's uh, there's still a lot of uh, hurdles there because you um, washing is not a big thing, but it's more like, okay, I'm not going to wear this uh, high tech t-shirt every day because I need to change it. Right. So right. that's, that's one thing. And how do you make this shirt cool? And then you can hide all these technology in there. That's another thing. So um, that's, that's still a lot of, uh, area to grow and uh, uh, a lot of issues we have to tackle. But one thing that I can see that I can be very useful is merging uh, these wearable technology with uh, healthcare, where you can make some, uh, like I've seen some people trying to make some shirt or something that it's not a medical hospital-like shirt, mm-hmm. but that has function that will check your heart rate for patients like that. So that, those things have real real function it solves problems and it looks nice on people it doesn't look like something like from the hospital because we don't want that right right <laughs> yeah so it's 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 merging there i can see that that part is it's growing and it's uh it's gonna be really interesting to see what people are new people coming up with 
Yeah, and uh, I see a lot of uh, Chinese startups are doing that too, making some like high-tech uh, sports shirts, sport T-shirts, some heated uh, jackets where it will keep you warm if, without wearing like layers and layers of clothing and 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 things like that, or for like some extreme uh, environment for maybe some workers and so on. So yeah, that's a lot, a lot of things going on. We can talk like a whole hour about that. <laughs> about this technology innovation part about how fashion is going towards that. Even manufacturing side, we see um, companies come with uh, with uh, sewing machines that are more, they can sew on its own, like the mm-hmm. soba, like the Chinese companies that are merging uh, sewing machines with like these uh, 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 embroidery machines so that they can, we can, they can kind of sew on its own without like, the actual workers like pushing and feeding the fabrics on its own. So that's a lot of you know innovations on that side too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's just a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm always fascinated by the the new technology that's coming out and how people are integrating it into different fields and and uh, I I find it really fascinating about how fashion is doing that. Do mm-hmm. you think that with the new technologies coming out like manufacturing? That that will mm-hmm. change up the landscape of of maybe where China has um, a hold in the fashion industry because you know a lot of companies go to to China because it's it's more inexpensive than having mm-hmm. something let's say made in the states. But if now mm-hmm. you know things are 3D printed or if there's machines doing it and basically like the human factor is out and they're just setting mm-hmm. up these factories of machines that do this, will that change the manufacturing landscape? Uh, what, what China has, uh, uh, you know, the the winning formula on right now. That's an interesting question. Um, I think China has two two things before going on for them. Mm-hmm. One was the cheaper labor, cheap labor, and the other was the huge supply chain. Now the cheap labor is kind of gone, uh, but the supply chain is even better. The whole okay. textile industry chain. You just can find all kinds of materials and everything from China. I mean, there's some really special ones you may have to find it in Europe or something, but mm-hmm. 90%, 80 90% of things you can find in China and that they don't really produce in other places because we have been investing in these uh, mills, fibers, technologies, fabrics, development for the past, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years. So... Mm-hmm. It's a lot of expertise, a lot of uh, uh, materials, a lot of uh, 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 things there. Where other places, if they want to replicate that, it would take quite some time. Okay. So with with the 3D printing and all this, I think definitely localization will have a big part. Well, there will be more localization. You 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 all you need to maybe is importing some yarns from China. And then put it in your shop in Boston, and then you can start customizing sweaters and, and jackets for your uh, uh, um, for your clients, for your for customers walking in. But the China will still play parts of it because maybe the yarn is from China, maybe the machine will be made in China. So the uh, they, they need not necessarily the incomplete uh, garment made in made will be made in China down the road, but there will be still, China will still play a big part of it okay. in terms of the material and so on. Yeah. 
Oh, sure. Well, that's good to know. It's uh, it's interesting mm-hmm. to see, again, how that evolves. And it's, uh, well, it's great that China mm-hmm. has already, I guess, kind of maybe foreseen that and then started uh, investing in other technologies and other areas so that, you know, they could mm-hmm. will keep being um, on top of that. Yeah, they, they throw a lot of money into uh, trying to innovate and so on. And localization will happen, whether yeah. you like it or not. So really, we can just walk into a, a shop someday and we just like customize T-shirt just made on the spot or something. That can <laughs> totally happen. That will totally happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's oh, just yeah, the percentage of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because we're seeing a lot of that. Like I said, we're seeing a lot of that right now. It's just um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it, like with the sunglass company I was working for. Um, mm-hmm. You could technically walk into a shop and get sunglasses made. It just it, right now the turnaround time I think is a few weeks. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, with the with the, when costs start coming down a little bit and then them actually figuring out a couple other things, you know, the turnaround time could be could be you know a couple of hours um, eventually. So yeah, I could definitely see that happening in a lot of other industries and venues, and and uh, I'm really excited about where that's going. Yeah, and. Um... Of my, I was recently at a at a at a EO event, and then they talk about supply chain. They talk about it's like now instead of um, building the parts and then ship it to the other place, it's built three D printing the parts while it is on the way to your client's uh, uh, factory or whatever. Mm-hmm. So so he was saying is that like companies, what is they're trying to do is like maybe working with UPS and these companies is that. 3D printing, having 3D printing machines in the in the in the truck or the that plane or whatever, and then printing it while it is shipping it to to the destination. So it's really just in time. Yeah, just on yeah. just in time. So yeah, that's just amazing. Yeah. Oh wow, that's great. In mm-hmm. in your own life, with everything that you work on and do, mm-hmm. do you have? Mm-hmm rituals or maybe apps or something that that you do every single day that help you focus your time and energy to make sure that you are able to accomplish everything that you want to accomplish uh my my email account because i subscribe to a lot of newsletters so (laughs) reading (laughs) these new newsletters going through them and uh oh and i think big thing wechat yeah uh wechat is part of everyone's daily life in China. So we can do everything there on, on that platform, just one single platform. I talk to my clients, customers, suppliers, my colleagues, and we'll just work through that. Just, it's very important, very important communicating tool, communicating tool. In fact, less and less people in China use email now. Uh, can just do everything on WeChat. Yeah. Oh, really? That's So I, I have a WeChat account because I... Mm-hmm. Started it because of the company I was working for, and, uh, and yeah, I didn't I didn't really realize because like there's not I guess really an equivalent in the states, but just how mm-hmm. like everything is really on that that platform. Yeah, it's it's just amazing. Just everyone's on reach. Like uh, my 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 supplies will quote me will give me a quote on on through WeChat instead of email. It's just too. Too much work just to fire up your email account, type this, and then click send. It's, it's, it's too much work, yeah. Just do it on WeChat, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. It makes things so much easier. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a lot easier, yeah. Yeah, so what would you say is the best advice you've ever received? Uh, 
I think the best one is 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 from my dad because uh, my dad is uh, he he's not around anymore. But uh, he when he when I was little, he always taught me about oh go learn new things. Uh, just be curious and uh, have that thirst of learning that thing. I think that really uh, uh, drives me because I'm I'm a curious person. I, I like to read about these these technology new things and so on. I, I love reading like Singularity Hub those. Uh, new, uh, articles on there was just like wow, so fascinating. Um, but I, uh, that uh, his advice of always learning new things, going to always encourage me to go to like fairs and meet new different people from different industries really uh, shapes me because uh, it makes me a more curious person and uh, always kind of want to learn more new things and and stay ahead. I think yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, I always tell people that too. Just have that thirst of learning, and you can always learn some something from someone. Yeah. Yeah. Are there particular mm. uh, books or blogs that you look at nowadays that that um, you think are really beneficial to find out what's happening with either technology or the changes in fashion, or just helping you learn um, as an entrepreneur? Um, Singularity Hub is a is a good one. It's really forward trends. Um, singularityhub.com. So I, I go there a lot. I subscribe to their newsletter, read their things. Um, Glossy. Glossy is a good uh, site where they talk about fashion, innovation, technology, retail, and things like that. So another one is uh, innovations in textiles. I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's innovationsintextile.com. That that one is good too. Has a talk about new innovation materials. It's very hardcore industry thing, so normal people won't understand what is this fiber, what is this machine do. But it's very industry things. But it's it's uh, it's good. It's good resources there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Vincent, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Mm -hmm. If the listeners would like to read more about what you're working on or contact you, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, they can email me at uh, vincent at uh, thefashionknowledgenetwork.com. Just vincent, my name, vincent, mm -hmm. at thefashionknowledgenetwork.com. One word. Yeah, the okay. Fashion Knowledge Network. Yeah. Oh, great. I'll, just I'll, put that in the, yeah. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes so that people can just like, mm -hmm. click through and and do it but uh, thank you so much for for making that available that's great yeah thanks re uh thanks for having me it's fun yeah of, of course awesome. again thank you so much have a great day you too thank you for listening to another episode of the advance your art podcast if you like this episode please go into itunes and give us a five-star rating and while you're there hit the subscribe button so that every single time i release a new episode it will go directly to you without even thinking about it if you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to advanceyourart.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.